Columbia theater professors are highlighted in new Chicago oral history. And for the first time since 1934, an Alexandrov will no longer work at the college. Show us what Columbia looks like. This is what Columbia looks like. Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause, and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines. Over decades of change in Chicago theater that has inspired generations, author Mark Larson set out on a journey to document the evolution in his new book, Ensemble, an oral history of Chicago theater. The book dives into early characters from the 50s and then ventures through each decade to modern day theater. With over 300 interviews in four years, Larson highlights individuals who helped shape the current theater community. I'd always been interested in oral history. I was I was interviewed a couple times by Studs Terkel, and that was quite a while back, and it probably gave me the uh, bug for it. So I'd always been interested in it, and I'd always been interested in the Chicago theater scene, too. Larson explained his process behind selecting each person he interviewed. A lot of the people who were even the pioneers of this uh, movement, what I think of as the Chicago Theater Movement, are still alive and with us. So I was able to go back to people like Ed Asner and uh, Joyce Piven and Alan Arkin, some of the people from the very beginning, and you know, capture their voices and capture their... Um, I started with, as you, as you might guess with a project like this, you start with people that you know. And then you usually end an interview with, who else should I talk to? And they give you three, four, five, six, seven, eight names, right? Um, so then you start going from person to person to person, just trying to get a sense of what this story is. The reason Larson titled his book with Chicago was because Chicago is an ensemble in itself. The reason the, um, the book is called Ensemble is not just because we're known for our ensembles here, but also because the city, the, the theater community tends to work like a uh, ensemble. You know, where if, if I'm trying to help, I'm trying to make the community look good. And if that means what I have to do is help your, your company or this particular actor, that's what I'm going to do. It's helping each other, trying to construct this community together, um, the way an ensemble puts a show on together. So it's, it's, it's in, in microcosm, it's the ensemble on a stage, but in macro, it's the, the whole city operating that way. And by the city, I mean the, the Chicago theater community. That's, that, to me, is another very thrilling aspect, and it's fun to watch it. Larson explains that Chicago theater has influenced the world. Many successful shows and people have come from the city, and many of them are affiliated with Columbia. Lots of evidence of that. Sure. You know, the obvious is, example is, is Steppenwolf. Another example is one of your Columbia professors, David Cromer. You know, I just he just got a Tony. Um, what was it? Not last year, but the year before that. It is, and the band visit is now on tour around America. Um, it, uh, there's uh, the example of David Rabe, who is a major playwright, you know, significant literary lion, um, who's been around for a long time. And he ended up, he came to Chicago and opened a play, a new play called Good for Otto, in a small theater that seats about 40, 45 people called the Gift Theater. You know, that's significant. The, the fact 
that he would he would open a play there, not just in Chicago, but in, in a small theater like that that's doing extraordinary work. Larson continued to name more people who have influenced the scene. A combination of 30 current and former staff and students were included in the book. Among those members was Associate Professor of Instruction Albert Williams. It does not have to be just about entertainment. Theater is about educating and empowering and sharing and developing a conversation among people, including traditionally marginalized voices, voices that don't, people that don't have a voice in television or in Broadway musicals or in the more commercial entertainment. Williams teaches Chicago theater history at Columbia. He teaches the importance of equality in theater development. To uh, impart to students the history, the historical background on which our society is, has grown out of um, as a way to identify it and understand it in order to create their own work. We're living in a time of such rapid change. The technology is certainly part of that. Growing, fast-growing awareness of cultural differences and cultural inequities um, are very much a part of that. We live in such a politically charged environment right now um, that the students that I've have that I have today are have different perspectives even than students I had four years ago. Another professor interviewed for the book was Susan Padveen, who has been teaching at Columbia for 30 years now. Padveen is the associate chair of the theater department, as well as a professor who teaches acting and directing. After moving to Chicago from Toronto in 1983, Padveen accepted a job at the Goodman Theater and began her career. I came to Chicago as an intern and uh, then was offered a job and so stayed on. So it was kind of random in some ways. Um, I had no idea um, what Chicago was like or what the theater scene was like. And um, when I got here, found out that it was great and um, decided to stay. The great thing about Chicago theater is that um, you can you can do work when you're starting out, um, you know, initiating sort of your own um, your own thing, and then move up into some of the more established theaters. And I think there's um there is um, a lot of camaraderie in the community, and also. Um, you know the the interesting thing about about the book Mark's book is that he kind of addresses the issue of Chicago being an ensemble town um and there were there have been a lot of people who've said that um even if you work for different theaters um that really the whole of the Chicago theater community is like an ensemble um, because people are uh, have the opportunity to work multiple times with the same people and um, and to grow in their work um, you know as they work on different projects um, so I think I think that's really um, different and and special. 
Theater professor Barbara Robertson was also among the 300 interviewed in the book and has been striving to start a course for over three decades called Professional Survival and How to Audition. Her determination to start the course and scene in Chicago ultimately brought Larson to her. me. Um, he, like myself, has uh, has been a part of the Chicago theater scene for many years, so he's been watching me on stages <laughs> since I was very young and um, in a wide, you know, wide scope. Of, I do a number of different interviews, but he, we, we just we're like two theater geeks <laughs> sitting down and chatting about things we loved and things that we'd seen and things that I had done, things that he had seen and how he had responded to different things I had done. Senior musical BFA major Quinn Riggs is passionate about Chicago theater. An ensemble and oral history of Chicago theater. Yes. So, uh, Columbia's theater department as a whole uh, is very near and dear to my heart. I I love it. I love the uh, the fact that students are given such a like powerful voice and like how we are enabled and empowered by our department to be able to make the stories and create the communities that we want to create. Rig is a student of Albert Williams and has taken Chicago theater history. Rig said that it is inspiring to have professors be recognized in ensemble. As professionals, the fact that uh, someone like Mark Larson like knows that they are like qualified, uh, capable, and valuable members of the Chicago community that like it's like really inspiring, frankly, that uh, these voices have been able to shape the like. This, I know I keep saying community a lot, community, community, uh, but yeah, it shaped the community in a really profound way. Mark Larson's new book, Ensemble, An Oral History of Chicago Theater, is now available for purchase. That's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. And now on to our next story with managing editor Miranda Manier to talk about her story, End of an Era, Columbia's Last Alexandrov Dismissed. Hey Miranda, tell us a little bit about your story. Hi, Yasmin. Yeah, so in late May, Norman Alexandrov, who was a communication specialist in the library, was dismissed in a round of layoffs that affected a lot of faculty members. Um, this was significant because Norman's grandfather and his father both served as president of the college at some point, and Norman had worked here for about 30 years. So his family was really intertwined with the college. Um, his mother was the only full-time employee from 1955 to 1961. Um, he grew up having uh, honorary degree recipients sleeping in his bed, people like Rosa Parks and Cesar Chavez. Um, so it was, Columbia was really a part of his life um, for his entire life. And so his dismissal was pretty notable. Yeah, so I understand that Norman actually reached out to the Chronicle for the story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, Norman really was just interested in um, not only sharing his own story um, and his own dismissal, but his family's legacy. He, he saw this as an opportunity to really share his family's story um, 
And so uh, that, that was a little bit of what I got to look into. I got to talk to him about a lot of what his grandfather did. Um, his grandfather broke the college off into an independent school um, after it was um, part of a radio curriculum at a school owned by the Teachers College. Um, and his father really started Columbia's open admissions policy. Um, he started the idea of working professionals as professors. So the reason that most of our professors at Columbia work in the industries that they're teaching was because of um, Norman's father, Mike Alexandrov. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how did Norman respond to being dismissed from the college? Obviously, we can get a little bit of a sense, but can you tell us a little bit about what he told you? Yeah, um, Norman expressed to me that he was very saddened by the situation. Um, he, uh, like I've mentioned, he felt like Columbia was part of his family, like another sibling, because his parents spent so much time working on the college. Um, and so he felt, in his words, that he was excommunicated from the school and from part of his family. Um, he, there were a couple, um, a, a couple, uh, layers of nuance to his dismissal. Um, there was an incident in March where he made a comment at a college assembly, um, and then uh, two weeks later he was pulled into the interim uh, provost's office, um, Suzanne Blue Malley, um, and um, actually he received a call from Suzanne Blue Malley about two weeks after that incident and then set up a meeting for a full month after it um, and he couldn't recall the situation at the time, and the comment that he had made was very offhanded. He hadn't meant to um, create any kind of uh, confusion or anxiety about um, the situation. He was talking about the search for the provost at the time, and um, he, he felt that the response to that was a little overblown, and he thought that might have had something to do with his dismissal. Um, he was also on the board of uh, US of CC, which is the staff union at Columbia. Um, and in the round of layoffs where Norman was dismissed, half of that board was actually let go in the midst of contract negotiations, um, which were quite contentious and are actually still ongoing. So there were some things that could have contributed to Norman's dismissal. He didn't know if they did. Um, the college uh, did not respond to uh, our request for comment on that. Um, so it's, it's pretty unclear, but he was, he was very sad regardless. Yeah, so the college did not respond to a request for comment, but who else did you talk to for this story? Yeah, I spoke to a couple different people who knew and worked with Norman. Um, I spoke to Eric Scholl, who is the chair of um, the Cinnamon Tele Television Arts Department, um, and he had really positive things to say about the work that Norman did on Says Me specifically, which was a uh, multidisciplinary storytelling series that Norman helped spearhead at the library. Um, I also spoke to uh, Craig Siegel, who is the academic manager in the communications department and also the president of the um, USFCC union. Um, and Craig had really positive things to say about Norman's work as well. He said that he was a really dedicated employee um, and also that he, uh, he, didn't, he didn't comment on um, whether he thought that Norman and the other board members' dismissals were related to the contract negotiations, um, but uh, he said that it did make it complicated because they still haven't been able to replace the board members. So how might his legacy continue here at Columbia? Yeah, so um, actually Norman started a scholarship uh, for his mother named the Jane Ann Legnard Alexandrov Scholarship. Um, it's for Columbia students who use their creative skills for social justice. 
Um, and uh, Norman got to award that scholarship to two students every year, and um, the college did confirm that that scholarship will be continuing. So I think in a way that will kind of carry on not only Norman's legacy, but the legacy of his family. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Miranda. We appreciate it. Of course, Yasmin. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all of these stories and more in our print edition, available on campus, on our website, columbiachronicle.com, and our additional coverage on social media. We are at CC Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of our staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the Communication Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride, Chair. This episode of Chronicle Headlines was produced and hosted by Yasmin Shika.